Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare breaking down every game every day in major league baseball this is the baseball betting show here is your host greg peterson Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast, says, join me in segment number two, Christian. He does great work over at WTOP. That is one of the best regional, I guess you call it, radio networks out there in all the country. They do a great job covering all things in Washington, D.C. I know that he's out there in the DMV area. We're going to be talking about the Baltimore Orioles, the way that they've been able to ascend to the lead in the AL East, how to gauge them moving forward, teams that might be buyers and sellers at the trade deadline, and we've got a very small five-game slate of baseball that is going to be going down on Thursday. We're going to be diving into a few of those games with Chris in segment number two in the final segment. Like I said, smaller slate, but I'm giving you guys picks and analysis on all five games that we've got on this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at jaden underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. They mean it's not matters, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Wednesday, so let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Got a little bit of cleanup from the Tuesday games because of Greg Peterson experience. That's now from midnight to 3 Eastern time as well. That is from 9 to midnight out here on the West Coast. So I do have to do these a little bit in advance. We did see the Houston Astros be able to hang on against the Walker Texas Rangers by kind of 4-3 to three on Tuesday with Texas just really getting stonewalled by J.P. France. They were able to get to the bullpen a little bit, but for J.P. France, 100 run, give it up in seven innings. Ryan Presley did allow a little bit of a home run late going deep. Was Mitch Carver for his fifth home run season, but the Astros, they were able to hold on. They were able to get the W there, and as I do this podcast, the game is not complete, but it's 13-3 to in the top of the fifth inning. The Texas Rangers are going to be able to cash another over for you as they've been one of the top over teams in all of baseball thus far this year, and they are currently just completely throttling 
The Houston Astros says, for the Astros, Framber Valdez gives up six runs in three and two-thirds innings, including a pair of home runs. Going deep for the Walker, Texas Rangers, Marcus Simeon, his 15th home run of the season. And then Nate Lowe was able to get his 12th home run of the season. Then a little bit later on, it all scars off of Seth Martinez gets his 25th home run of the season. And it was home run number one of the season for Sam Uff as well, as Seth Martinez has come into the game and... He has gotten three outs and given up seven runs. It's not looking good for the Astros as Alex Bregman hit a home run off of Andrew Heaney. 17th home run season for Heaney. He gives up three runs over the course of four innings. you got to figure that he's going to try to fill a little bit more. It's a team that's that big of a lead, but like the Astros are not going to be able to get there on that one, and that's going to be another over in that column for the Walker Texas Rangers with the LA Dodgers on Tuesday. They were able to get the W by a count of 8-7 to seven in 10 innings. It was very narrowly a run line win for the Dodgers as you had a ball that was just crushed by James Altman that missed going over by like a few inches, but he was able to get that RBI and he was able to get it done as the Blue Jays, they just made a mess out of this. They were up by kind of 7-3 going into the ninth inning, and then they toilet bowled it. Chris Bassett wasn't too bad in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings, giving up a home run along the way to Frank Freeman, 21st home run season, then J.D. Martinez. He goes deep off of Tim Mesa, 25th home run season, but Eric Swanson gives up four runs in an inning. He had Mesa give up that home run in his inning of work. Genesis Cabrera, two scoreless innings, and then Mitch White, a human white flag, came onto the field, and he gave up the unearned run in the 10th inning. Meanwhile, for the L.A. Dodgers, this was not what they were hoping for out of their bullpen as well. Just Brule to give up three runs in an inning. Caleb Ferguson gives up a run in an inning. And Julio Arias, he gives up three runs in his six innings, including home run to Bobachette, 17th home run season by Yancey Almonte, Bursar, Gratterall. They both turn scoreless innings to be able to get that win, but the Blue Jays would get their revenge. 8-1, to one, they were able to take down the L.A. Dodgers on Wednesday for the Jays. You say Kikuchi gives up one run in six innings. Actually, looked really good. Tim Mesa, Jay Jackson, a combined two scoreless innings, and Trevor Richards, scoreless inning. Pair of home runs for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Whit Merrifield goes deep off of Tony Gonsolin, seventh home run season, then Alex Vesia gets taken deep by Danny Jansen for his 13th home run of the campaign for Gonsolin. The slide continues. Gives up five runs over the course of five innings. He has now allowed at least four runs in five out of his last six starts. Regression was due in for him, and Boy, as it is, Alex Vesia gives up a solo run in his inning of work. Former Brewers, not so great. Tyson Miller gives up two runs in two innings. And then Phil Bickford, another not so great Brewer, he gives up nothing in his inning of work for the LA Dodgers. Also on Tuesday, we did see the San Francisco Giants be able to get a 2-1 to win as the poo-poo platter of pitchers for the Oakland A's were not too bad. You had Taylor Scott lend a scoreless inning as the opener. Ken Waldachuk, six punch-outs, one under run allowed in Four and a third innings. Lucas Ursich, he gives up a run in two-thirds of an innings. Sam Mall, also Pruitt, combined for five outs out of the bullpen. But the Giants are able to get this one in because Alex Cobb was incredible. Nine strikeouts in six scoreless innings. You had Camilio Duvall be able to shut it down in the ninth inning after you got two innings out of Tyler Rogers. He allowed a run along the way. Doing this as their game for Wednesday just got started, so unfortunately... Don't have anything for you there, but we do have both Diamondbacks versus Cardinals games. As for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they were able to get the job done by kind of 3-1, to one, getting all those runs in the 8th inning. Steven Matz actually pitched really well on Tuesday for St. Louis, 6 scoreless innings. And then, yeah, JoJo Romero give up 2 runs in an inning, and Chris Stratton a run give it up in an inning. And for Matz, ever since the beginning of the month of June, he's posted up a sub-275 ERA, so he's actually really improved. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly, fresh off the injured list, 
didn't look like he was rusty at all. One run surrendered in six innings. From there, Luis Frias, a scoreless inning. Kevin Ginkle, a scoreless inning. And then Kyle Nelson, Miguel Castro. They turn a scoreless inning. Diamondbacks' bullpen was not so trustworthy on Wednesday. 11-7, the St. Louis Cardinals are able to get it done. As for the St. Louis Cardinals, they were able to play a little bit of home run derby in this one. Paul Goldschmidt goes deep off of Kyle Nelson for his 18th home run season. Scott McGo gets one up to Austin Kenizer, his 6th home run season. Nolan Gorman goes deep off of McGo and Zach Gallen, 21st and 22nd home runs of the season. And Gallen gives one up to Lars Newtbar. Eighth home run season. Gallon entered in this game with a buck 40 ADRA at home. Gives up five runs in six and a third innings, including a pair of bombs. Scott McGo goes two thirds of an inning, and he does not make things go. Actually, he makes things go out. He gave up two home runs and four runs in total there. Kyle Nelson, he gives up a run in two thirds of an inning. And then Tyler Gilbert gives up one run and one and a third innings. Wasn't a masterpiece by the Cardinals by any stretch of the imagination as Giovanni Gallegos got a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but you did have Andrew Suarez give up three runs in two innings, including a home run of his own. Going deep for the Earths and the Diamondbacks was Chris Walker off of him, 22nd home run season, and Emmanuel Rivera takes Captain Jack Flaherty deep, fourth home run season for Flaherty, gives up three runs over the course of five innings, giving up eight hits along the way, and Andre Pallanti gives up a run in one and a third innings, but hey, all of a sudden the St. Louis Cardinals have begun to win some games, so we shall see how that is going to be going moving forward for them, as I expect them to be sellers at the trade deadline, but you just never know with that team, and then the DK Network write-up pick from Tuesday, that was able to come through. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they lose to the San Diego Padres by a count of 5-1. to one. Blake Snell looking better and better in the Cy Young hump, by the way. This was not a thing of beauty. He gave up five walks and six innings, but gives up one run. And then from there, Robert Suarez, Stephen Wilson, Josh Hader all end a scoreless inning. For the Padres, you had a trail of home runs. Juan Soto, 20th home run season. That comes off of Anel Perdomo. Dori Barretta gives one up to Gary Sanchez. 10th home run season. And Manny Machado is 20th of the season off of Rich Hill. Rich Hill, for the first time in seven starts, allowed fewer than three runs, giving up two runs, but only went four and a third innings. From there, Yuri De Los Santos, he goes two scoreless innings on El Perdomo, gives up that home run in his third of an inning, and then Dori Maretta, he goes one and a third innings, giving up that one solo home run. And then we saw the Pittsburgh Pirates get their revenge on Wednesday, three to two. The Pirates are able to get it done. Johan Oviedo was not one to be messed with. He gave up one run over the course of six innings. Carmen Meldozinski, Connor Olderman, they both give you a scoreless inning. And then David Benard gives up a run in an inning, but enough to be able to get it done. Padres, by the way, have played 57.8% of their home games to the under thus far this season, by the way, and the Diamondbacks 58.3%. So lots of unders from the West Coast teams at home thus far this season. But for the Pirates, they get the win with three solo home runs. G-Man Joy, sixth home run season. That comes off of Seth Lugo, Brian Reynolds, 11th of the campaign, also off of Lugo. And then Carlos Santana, he goes deep off of Robert Suarez, his 12th home run season. For Lugo, he didn't pitch bad. Gave up three hits in seven innings. Problem was, two of those flew over the fence. Nick Martinez gives a scoreless inning before Robert Suarez gives up that solo home run in the ninth inning. And for the Padres, four hits in this game. Just absolutely nothing doing for them. And a lot doing for our DK Network picks. As we're now on a three-game heater, and we have been able to pull off five of our last six. We had the under in the Boston Red Sox and the Atlanta Braves game. I also was able to ride with the Red Sox money line as well, and Red Sox get it done by a count of five to three. Spencer Strider does his part. He does allow three runs, only two of which were earned, and he did give up a pair of home runs. Going deep for the Boston Red Sox, you had Rafael Devers get his 25th home run season, and Tristan Koss 
Casas, who has really been able to pick it up recently. 15th home run season, Adam Duvall. He then goes deep off of Kirby Yates. His 8th home run season, Yates gives up a home run in his inning of work. Pierce Johnson, unearned run surrendered in two-thirds of an inning, but for the Atlanta Braves, lone form of offense, Ozzy Albies goes deep off of Brian Bayo, 24th home run season. As for Bayo, gives up three runs in six innings. In a humid day in Fenway Park against the Atlanta Braves, that's pretty stinking good. And for Bayo, three runs or fewer allowed in 15 of his last 16 starts. Joe Jacquez, a scoreless inning. John Schreiber, Brandon Bernardino, piecemeal together a scoreless inning. And then Kenley Jansen, who has burnt me in the past, did not burn me on this one. Scoreless inning. Red Sox get it done. We get that DK Network right-up pick. We'll look to say hot. The Philadelphia Phillies. They are looking to stay hot. 6-4. They're able to take down the Baltimore Orioles as for Baltimore. Kyle Bradish got lit up in this one, giving up five runs over the course of six and two-thirds innings, including home run going deep for the Philadelphia Phillies. You had home run number seven for Omando Sosa. Meanwhile, for Rangers Suarez, not necessarily the world's greatest start from him either. Four runs surrendered over the course of six innings with Adley Rushman taking him deep. 14th home run season, but for the Phillies, bullpen to their part. Craig Kimbrell, Gregory Soto, Sir Anthony Dominguez, all able to end a scoreless inning. And for Baltimore, you had Sino Perez give up a run without recording a single out. Mike Bauman, he got an out of the bullpen. And Cole Irvin comes in in relief. He's able to end a scoreless inning, but too little, too late. In the Subway Series, the New York Yankees win a slog, 3-1. to one. They take down the Mets, who are now 47-54. I'm going to be asking our good friend Chris Sheehan in the next segment if the Mets should be sellers or not, but good grief. I mean, what do you do if you're this team? Yeah, Jose Quintana actually did not give the world's worst start. He gave up three runs, only two of which was earned. He was hurt by a little bit of a fielding error out there, but from there, Drew Smith, Trevor Gott, they both give you a scoreless inning, but for the Yankees, Carlos Rodon was on his game, giving up just one run in five and two-thirds innings. The King, Michael King, gets it out of the bullpen, and Yankees continue to have that number one bullpen ERA in the big leagues as Wandy Peralta, Tommy Canely, Clay Holmes, they're all able to turn a scoreless inning. So impactful there. We have seen the Tampa Bay Rays play quite a few overs at home thus far this season and well, it was not them doing the scoring on Wednesday. It was the Miami Marlins 7-1. They are able to take it to the Tampa Bay Rays. This was a closing total of 7.5, so you were able to get the over. The Rays have played, by the way, 60% of their home games to the over. Sandy Alcantara, one of his best starts of the season. He gives up one run over the course of nine innings and the Rays. Bottom five of the big leagues in terms of runs scored per game ever since the All-Star break. That has not been good. What else was not great was the pitching of the Tampa Bay Rays as Calvin Fauché in the fifth inning. He gives up a home run to Brian De La Cruz. 13th home run season for Fauché. He gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. Zach Eflin, pretty Eflin awful. Five runs surrendered over the course of four innings from there. Kevin Kelly, Robert Stevenson, both London scoreless inning. And Sean Armstrong, one and a third inning scoreless. But things are slip-sliding away for our good friends. The Tampa Bay Rays right now. The Washington Nationals, one of the more dramatic wins that you're going to find. They pull it off by kind of five to four against the Colorado Rockies as the Nationals enter into the ninth inning down by a count of four to one. And somehow, some way, they put up a four spot in the ninth inning as for Colorado, Peter Lambert, actually a really good start. One hundred runs rendered in six innings. Brent Suter gives you two scoreless innings. And then Daniel Bard, who's been good all season long, he gives up all four of those runs in two-thirds when I Matt Cook. He inherited some runners, and he was unable to keep them on. As C.J. Abrams, he has the game-winning hit for the Colorado Rockies. Trail of home runs as you add Brian McMahon get his 16th home run season. Elieres Montero, I always say that first name wrong. He was able to get his third home run of the season. And home run number two for Michael Toglia. Hopefully I said that correctly. As 
For the Washington Nationals, Jake Irving gave up all three of those bombs, four runs in total over the course of six innings. From there, Joe LaSorsa, Jordan Weems both combined to give you two scoreless innings, and Andres Machado a scoreless inning. As the Washington Nationals' bullpen has not been too trustworthy all season long, they do enough to be able to get the job done there, though. For the Milwaukee Brewers, Freddie Peralta was able to rise up 3-0. to zero. They take down the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds team has been all over the place. For Peralta, who had been terrible coming into this game, he had given up three plus runs, and I believe it was like nine out of his last 12 starts. Six scoreless innings with 13 strikeouts. The Reds struck out 18 times, and they got no runs. Elvis Figueroa, Joe Piams, Devin Williams, they all led to scoreless setting again. For the Milwaukee Brewers, the man that's applied the boom in this one, one Tyrone Taylor, welcome back. Second home run of the season, sitting a buck 59 on the season, goes deep off of Ben Lively, who didn't pitch bad. 62 thirds innings, he gives up two runs. Difficulty for the Reds, that's good enough to win. Fernando Cruz gives up a run in an inning out of the bullpen. Alex Young gets it out of the bullpen as well, but the Brewers, they are back on top of the NL Central thanks to that win, and well, that was interesting. I know I came on this podcast saying, oh, the 10.5 is too high in the Royals and the Guardians game, and of course, game goes over. 8-3, to three, the Cleveland Guardians are able to get it done as Alec Marsh just did not do his part. He went two and two-thirds innings and he gave up four runs, all of which were earned, including home run as Jose Ramirez. He was nailing shots on this one. He goes deep off of Alec Marsh and then John Heasley for his 15th and 16th home runs of the season. You know, side, Mr. Heasley give one up to the short fry. David Fry is able to get his fourth home run season for Heasley. Gets four outs, gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Things settle down from there. Austin Cox, Nick Wickren, Taylor Clark, all under scroll setting. Dylan Coleman gives up a run and an inning in. For the Royals, they went one of 12 with men in scoring position. Game goes over with MJ Melendez going deep off of Xavion Curry in the ninth inning. Eighth home run of the season. Go figure there. As for the Cleveland Guardians, yeah, Gavin Williams go four scoreless innings. Was in danger all throughout. Nick Sandlin gives up a run in an inning. So does Michael Kelly and Xavion Curry gives up that Solo home run in the ninth inning, but Angel de los Santos, Eli Morgan, they combined for two scoreless innings as the Royals, they got 12 hits and they got three runs. Sounds like a very Kansas City Royals performance there. And for the Minnesota Twins, this team has been all over the place this season and, well, they were in Loserville on Wednesday. They lose the Seattle Mariners by a count of 8-7. to seven. Bryce Miller gets completely lit up and somehow gets the win. He gets a win, giving up six runs of five and two-thirds headings, including four home runs. Going deep for the Minnesota Twins. You had Matt Walner go deep twice, third and fourth home run season. Why wasn't he called up earlier? Edward Julien gets home run number 10 of the season, and Christian Vasquez, he's able to go deep, home run number three of the campaign. From there, the bullpen did their part, though. Gabe Spire, Justin Topa, Andres Munoz, all lend a scroll of sending a Matt Brash. He's able to get an out of the bullpen and for the Mariners. They go 5 of 9 with men in scoring position with Dylan Moore going deep twice. Third and fourth home runs of the season, and Julio Rodriguez gets his 17th home run season. That comes off of Joe Ryan. Ryan gives up two of those home runs, four runs in total, and three and a third innings. Jordan Balzovich gives up the other home run. Got four outs, gave up three runs, all of which were earned. And Josh Winder, not a bad long relief showing. He gives up one run over the course of four innings. Maybe they should be giving him some starts moving forward, but that was a little bit rough for the old Minnesota Twins, and we did see a rainout in Angels versus Tigers, so that is a game that we are going to be seeing on Thursday. We're going to be seeing a double dip, and as I do this show, things have just busted out, and it is a good old game of horse that is broken out in the south side of Chicago. 
the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs as I do this podcast are tied 7-7 as the Cubs, as I am doing this podcast, have put up a 5 spot in the 5th inning. This is a game that is going to be ending right around about 5 a.m. with the way that these offenses are going. Marcus Stroman gets completely destroyed, giving up 7 runs in 3 to 3rd innings, but for the Chicago White Sox, good old Lance Lynn, you know that he's good for giving up runs. 7 runs surrendered in 4 and 2 thirds innings. By the way, you've had one home run in this game. Jake Berger goes deep off of Marcus Stroman in 22nd home run season as it is now 8-7 Cubs as Joe Kelly is into the game, and that never is anything good. So, yeah, we're going to need to do a little bit of cleanup on that one on the podcast tomorrow. That thing is wild and crazy, and what's wild and crazy is taking a look at the game of baseball right now. If you take a look at the last 60 days in Major League Baseball, we have been seeing favorites do quite well. In this time span, they went 415 and 290 on the money line, few games pending for Wednesday. That's about a 59% hit rate, but these favorites have had a tough time covering the run line. 105 in total have not covered the run line in this time span. 342 unders to 338 overs. If you look at the last 30 days, a little bit more overwhelming. 161 overs to 150 unders, so that's a 51.8% hit rate to the over favorites in the time span over the last 30 days. 189 and 135 with favorites being unable to cover the run line in 52 separate occasions. And if you take a look overall at the season, favorites, they're ending at about 58.5% on the money line, 869 and 617. But among these favorites, being able to cover the run line, 228 in total have failed to do so. And it's a pretty even split between overs and unders for the season, 719 unders to 715 overs. So that's what we all saw in baseball late Tuesday into Wednesday, and that's what we're getting trend-wise. Coming up next, let's talk about teams that might be interesting at the trade deadline. Let's take a look at the AL East, the Baltimore Orioles, and so much more, along with a few games for Thursday with Chris Sheehan, who does great work over at WTOP out there in Washington, D.C. That's on the flip side right here on the Baseball Betting Show. It's myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Lumpy, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as Christian. He does absolutely tremendous work taking a look at the great game of baseball and taking a look at a little bit of everything at WTOP that is out there in Washington, D.C. He's one of their main sports anchors, and WTOP is really one of the biggest, I guess you could call it, local slash regional stations that you're going to find in all of America. They do a great job taking a look at all things in the Washington, D.C. area. And I know that Chris he is out there in the DMV area doing a great job of holding it down, and you're able to follow him on Twitter at the Big Cheese Show and on Cheese Show that is C H E E in the middle of that. And Chris, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you, Greg. Thank you so much for having me, my friend. Yes, I am here in the Mid Atlantic, and I am taking a look at potentially checking out the Orioles playing the Mets at the end of the week. This Orioles team has been a lot of fun to watch. I've gone to a couple games at Camden Yards this year, and Yanir Cano is somebody who was. I know you talk about him on the show quite a bit, Greg. The one-two punch with Bautista. Used to be automatic there. Orioles fans could go home early, conceivably, if they wanted to, and they'd know that the team probably would have a win. But I can't say that as of late, as he had a bit of a meltdown in the loss Tuesday night, and Jorge Mateo not helping things either. But the Orioles still atop the division and a strong contender to win the AL, in my opinion. Absolutely, and I do think that that's a good launching point because we're going to talk about the Orioles in a minute, and no doubt about it, it's been a great year for them. But 
I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but it feels like bullpens post-All-Star break have just taken a big, giant slide. Like, all across the board. It's not just the Baltimore Orioles. It's not just teams out there in the American League East. I just take a look league-wide, and trying to find a trustworthy bullpen is like trying to find a needle in the haystack at this point because there have been a lot of blown leads, and there's been a lot of craziness late in these games ever since the All-Star break. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the trades that happened on Wednesday was – Jorge Lopez getting dealt to the Marlins for Dylan Floro Lopez, who has a above five ERA, but kind of just taking some shots here. You're going to see Kyle Finnegan of the Nationals potentially get picked up by a team who, you know, I've been watching him and covering him in this city for a number of years now. He has certainly pitched better now that he's at the age of 31, kind of figured it out, but I wouldn't necessarily put all my eggs in that basket there. I guess Carl Edwards Jr. too, but, you know, again, going back to the O's and, yeah, we're at the point of the season now. I hate to be cliche and talk about the dog days of summer, but a lot of these guys, especially Bautista and Cano, they've just been used quite a bit. And relievers are going to be at a premium, no doubt about it. So the Rays are another team, too. Look, what did they start the season? 29 and 7 and 33 and 36 overall since. That's not helping them out, but their bullpen hasn't been that great either. So relievers are certainly going to be in demand during this deadline. They're already moving. We're not even imminently at the deadline, although we are close. Yep, we're going to be getting closer and closer. We're going to start to see those moves trickle in within the next 24 to 48 hours. And then I anticipate when it comes to those weekend series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's when things certainly get hot and heavy. So I think that that's something to watch out for. And I mentioned it, you're out there in the DMV area. You're very close to the Baltimore Orioles. You alluded to it a little bit earlier. And what have you made out of the fact that the Orioles now are in the full-on lead in the American League East? As we do this podcast, there are two games up on the race. They're either going to be one and a half or two and a half when this podcast uploads. But I love what I'm seeing on this Orioles team, despite the fact that I think that you'd agree with me. It's not necessarily one superstar guy that's doing it. They don't necessarily have that one fearsome bat. They do have that nice one-two punch in the bullpen. But it's not like they necessarily have superstars on their team. It's been, as I like to call it, a whole is greater than the sum of its parts approach with them. It's amazing because they just have a formula. You have Adam Frazier against the righties, and then you bring in O'Hearn to go against the lefties, and O'Hearn had himself a nice day against the Tampa Bay Rays on Sunday, delivering with a home run, too. And a guy like Mike Bauman coming in from a former starter, converted reliever. I mean, they have figured out a lot of these arms that can be effective, and Tyler Wells has been such a strong asset for them in this rotation. Kyle Bradish has been somebody, too, that has done a really good job taking the mound and typically getting a good pitching result out of him, too. And then Kyle Gibson, the veteran arm. I mean, I still, again, think they don't really want to – Mike Elias has kind of said he's not really going to be budging, and he could just be – telling that to us who cover baseball, not showing his cards, if you will. But this is an Orioles team with Aaron Hicks who just went on the injured list. They bring up Ryan McKenna. He's had himself a pretty nice year. Gunnar Henderson, top of that lineup, has been outstanding too. And Anthony Santander hitting third, a nice power bat. And, you know, I just think that they really do have all of the pieces. I know Lance Lynn's going to be discussed as a trade candidate for a starting pitcher. I don't know that I would necessarily go that route. He allows a lot of hard contact. I think that this Orioles team and John Means at some point, you got to be expecting him to be coming back too. So that'll help the rotation. So if I'm the Orioles, yeah, maybe Elias uh, is being truthful. He doesn't want to make a whole lot of moves here because they just really have a foundation to be successful for years to come now. Orioles fans have to wait a long time for this to be built. 
I remember thinking, why is Brandon Hyde still have a job at this point? But it was this. If you were patient, it's paying off, and the O's have been wildly successful this year. Yeah, they have been. It has been incredible to take a look at as joining me on the show. We do have Chris Chan. He does absolutely amazing work over at WTOP as one of their main sports anchors. And when it comes to what you expect for the Baltimore Orioles, is there a need that you have identified for them at the trade deadline? Because they're one of those interesting teams that they do have a lot of assets that they're able to trade away. I feel like they're one of those teams in which they're just trying to throw out there some of their young guys just day in and day out. You were talking about the platooning splits and just trying to get them some at-bats in general because I feel like there's not enough at-bats to go around for all of the young players that they have. And I do think that this could be one of those cases where with the Baltimore Orioles, because I talked about them not necessarily having that one superstar, maybe it is one of those times where they do try to trade in like, four quarters for a dollar. They try to be able to upgrade the pitching staff as well, because I do think that there's a little bit of fear when you've got a starting rotation that involves Kyle Gibson right now. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Jack Flaherty, I was watching his start against the Diamondbacks on Wednesday. The announcer's talking about how that could have been Flaherty's last time on the mound for St. Louis. Goldschmidt is obviously, and he's heating up here as of late, has not had the best statistical season. You're going to have to give up a whole lot to get a guy like Goldschmidt. But again, are you serious about being a World Series contender and Goldschmidt? But, you know, I didn't even talk about Ryan Mountcastle first base. So, like, what would you really do there? And then Urias at third base. So, yes, you could package some of these guys potentially together to the Cardinals get a big-time player like a Flaherty. I know the Cardinals are talking about getting rid of Paul DeYoung, too. Probably in at this point, sell-off mode with a lot of their guys. But yeah, the Orioles, if I'm them, you just got to get more bullpen pieces here. You're seeing guys like Trent Thornton getting acquired by the Seattle Mariners, just arms at this point, because CNL Perez has come on and pitched better as of late, but he hasn't been totally trustworthy. And I mentioned Bauman. He's been the converted reliever but again somebody who I wouldn't necessarily trust to go long innings or if anything were to happen to Batista or Cano so yeah this is an Orioles team I think they're strong and they're ready to make a move and not a whole lot of guys that are like too old and will break down potentially in cold weather games let's say they got to go to Minnesota or something like that in October um, you know where muscles tighten up and whatnot but those are pretty young and fresh teams so I think they probably should stay pat yeah I do think so as well and It's just so interesting to take a look at some of these teams that are going to be buyers and sellers as well. Because when it comes to the American League East, I think that you can make a case for all five of these teams, really, aside from the Yankees being buyers. That has not been going well, to say the least. But I just take a look league-wide, and I do think that there's a lot of interesting teams that are out there right now, like the Padres losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates on Wednesday. That's not a loss that they could afford. I believe that they're either four or five games below 500 right now. The Mets, who we're going to be seeing on Thursday, good gosh almighty, it's been going bad for them. I'm just so curious to see what happens with those teams in the Mets and the Padres that they pushed all in for the season. And right now they are pretty much, if you're playing poker, down to a gut shot straight draw to be able to make the playoffs. Yeah, my former co-host Meg McDonald asked me a couple of months ago, what team has been more disappointing, the Mets and the Padres? And I go, I've gone back and forth for like weeks on this. But to me, it's got to be San Diego just because the heart of that lineup, Bogarts, 
Machado, Tatis Jr. That was supposed to be the team that ascended to the World Series. And you have Blake Snow, who's had an outstanding season, and Hader at the back end of that bullpen. It just hasn't worked. And they lose to teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates. That just can't happen on Wednesday when you're competing here. Now, the Mets, when we're looking at maybe potentially this Thursday matchup against the Nationals, Kodai Senga, somebody who has been a bright spot for this team here. What, he's got a top five K per nine, top 10 fielding independent. If you get a hit off of him, his home run to fly ball rate is pretty high. But the Mets, the reports, at least I see from the New York Post and whatnot, guys who cover the team, that they're not going to be moving Verlander or Scherzer. We'll see about that. There has been some discussion, maybe a guy like a Brandon Nimmo perhaps could be traded. I don't see that really either. So they're kind of stuck in nowhere. And I saw there was a similar article written. I don't know exactly which outlet in Seattle, but a team that's in nowheresville is Seattle when it comes to this trade deadline, because do you really think you're a playoff contender? I think they, they are after watching them on Wednesday. Do you push your chips in or do you sell? The Mets, I think, are definitely sellers. They got to look to cast off some of these guys. I mean, they got guys like Brett Beatty and whatnot that you want to start to see develop. And did we not see this, Greg, coming into the year? Were you really going to trust Scherzer and Verlander, these two older guys, to front line your starting pitching staff? I mean, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And um, they're not getting it done in a tough division. I mean, the Marlins are going to be buyers. And the Marlins, they play some nice baseball here. They dominated the Rays on Wednesday. So, yeah, the Marlins certainly are a team. They're getting relievers here as well, as mentioned, dishing out Floro. So, uh, Mar- yeah, Mets, Mets got to sell. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And coming into the season, if you were looking at season win totals, the one that I liked the under the most on was the New York Mets, just because you alluded to it. Even if you got good performances from Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, you had no guarantee of them being able to stay out there on the field. It's an aging team. It's a team that relies on the home run ball, and it has not been great. As Christian, he does amazing work over at WTOP. is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And how about if we take a look at this game between two teams that – They might be sellers at the deadline. It's the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. As a matter of fact, we're doing this right around 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific. And numbers are just coming out on this game. Most places are listing a total of nine with the Cardinals being minus 110 to minus 120 with it being Miles Michaelis against Justin Steele. I'm not sure how you look at the St. Louis team, but they're starting to actually get a little bit warm. At the same time, it's way too little, way too late because I think that they've said that they're going to be sellers with the Chicago Cubs. They're most likely going to be sellers as well. It's just a really strange game in general, but I do see a little bit of an edge here with Justin Steele and the way that he's been able to perform all season long. Yeah, Justin Steele has been outstanding, and Miles Michaelis has been somebody who has been inconsistent, and in his last start, he went up against the Cubs at Wrigley Field and did not pitch all that well and took the loss, and that was a game that went over, too, so... Michaelis with a 4.33 ERA. I like what I saw from the Cardinals against the Arizona Diamondbacks in this series from an offensive standpoint, kind of as you mentioned there. The Young is somebody again, too. What, was he an all-star in 2019, but then had to get sent down to the minors last year for 30 games because he struggled so poorly at the plate? Arenado getting a day off, so you'd imagine that he is going to get some at-bats and deliver for this Cardinals team here. But yeah, I would trust Steele in this matchup. The Cubs are a team, Greg. I mean, they're a disappointment, I would say, as well, too. Not out of the thick of it there yet, but a guy like Danzy Swanson has been worth that contract, and the professor Kyle Hendricks overall has been consistent for this team here, too. 
Cubs could probably use another, you know, starter and, you know, because you're not going to trust Tyon all the time there and probably their hitting is solid. You know, even a catcher like Jan Gomes is good for them too. So yeah, my lean would be the Cubs in this matchup, given that Michaelis just faced Chicago and took the loss there. And has not been wildly consistent this year, to say the least. And we got a little bit of a stunning development for Thursday as well, because with the rainout that we saw in Angels versus Tigers, things got shifted around a little bit with regards to that double dip. And it is actually going to be Shoy Otani who's going to be pitching the first game for the Angels against Michael Lorenzen, finding the Angels between minus 142 and minus 145. And I'm not sure how you've been gathering things, but we obviously know that the Shoy Otani trade rumors are out there, they are out in full force, but Shoy Otani just has not been the same on the mound ever since he suffered that blister in that start against the San Diego Padres. But at the same time, the Angels, without Mike Trout, without Brandon Drury, without Anthony Rendon, they just continue to rack up runs as well. I'm seeing a total between eight and eight and a half. Very interesting situation, especially if we get these eights. I think that's a good spot for an over in that game one matchup. Yeah, I mean, Michael Lorenzen is somebody who has not allowed a home run in his last 23 innings pitched. Now, granted, his last start was against the Kansas City Royals, who can be hapless at times, to say the least, but over his last five starts, 220 ERA, so... He's figured it was an all-star this year, so he's figured out something. Totally with you on Otani and his inefficiencies. I mean, when it comes to the pitching, certainly somebody that I would trust more oftentimes than not. But yeah, this Angels club, I would trust their bats certainly in this matchup here in the Tigers Spencer Torkelson has really been coming on. We've been waiting for him to do so, and he's been delivering at the plate. But the Angels, yeah, I've taken some of their overs, even guys like Michael Moniak delivering and so yeah i think the over spot could be pretty good in a division the angels they're really kind of stuck here too what do you do do you trade otani do you give up on the season do you look towards the future do you change your trajectory or do you stick with it and try and uh, fight in a division with houston and seattle and it's going to be tough for them to certainly compete texas how could i forget them competing there so another huge series for the angels who have said they are taking this right up to the trade deadline to determine whether they will be buyers or sellers. Yeah, but I do think that that's the correct approach as well, because if you've got any ghost of a chance, in my opinion, of making the playoffs, because the Angels with the Seattle Mariners making the playoffs last year, they have the longest playoff drought of any Major League Baseball team right now. If you've got a generational talent, you don't want to be remembered as the guys that traded away Shohei Otani. I know that you could really be able to help out that farm system as well. They're sort of in a hopeless situation, but I do think that it's going to be so interesting with the Angels if they're able to win at the very minimum one, if not both of those games of that doubleheader. That puts them in a little bit of contention and a man that is always on top, a man that does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at so many things around the sports landscape. That'd be you, Chris. You do amazing work out there in the Washington, D.C. area. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. I am at the Big Cheese Show on Twitter and going to be speaking with Kay Adams of FanDuel next week discussing the Washington Commanders and their prospects for this season. And there is a lot of excitement here in the DMV with the new ownership group taking over from Daniel Snyder. So going to be talking some football, but this is really a great time of year watching baseball. And if you're an overs better like myself, it's been a lot of fun with not a lot of wind and a lot of heat, especially on Thursday. I know there's heat advisories all up and down the East Coast. So uh, balls could be flying in this Mets Nationals game. And Greg, love joining the show here, man. Thank you so much for having me.
Absolutely. And it's going to be up to Kodai Senga whether or not that over is going to be hitting or not as he's been solid at home. But as we know, when you make contact with them, sometimes the ball can go a long way. And what goes a long way with helping me out is the insight of our great guest. And Chris, he's one of the best in the business. Does great work out there in the DMV area, taking a look at a little bit of everything and always enjoy him joining this show. Big thanks, Chris, for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to be joined by Christian. He does great work over at WTOP Sports. He is one of their main anchors over there. That is one of the best, I guess you could call it, regional radio station slash networks out there in America. They cover the Washington, D.C. area, and they do so very, very well. Chris does an incredible job taking a look at the great game of baseball. And every single time he joins his podcast, lends tremendous insights. A big thanks to Chris for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We're going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. We go to the National League games first, then the American League games. We've got no interleague games. The lone exception is we now have a doubleheader with the Angels versus the Tigers because we did not know until Wednesday evening that we were going to be getting a doubleheader. One of those games is going to be out of rotation order with having to add a game to the board. I will just do those both at the same time, so that way you're not getting player analysis on the same players twice in a lot of cases. So, we're going to keep things all nice, clean, and easy there. So, let's get things started with 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Washington Nationals on the road facing off against the New York Mets. Kodai Senga goes for the Mets, and Josiah Gray is on the bump for Washington. Nine is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. With the Mets, you're getting them anywhere between minus 187 to minus 195. Between plus 165 and plus 177, your number on Washington. If you're looking at the run line, by the way, pretty much finding even money across the board on the Mets. I set the Mets on the money line at a minus 204, and I was willing to go up to a minus 108 on this run line, so I'm going to be willing to buy in there. 
Biggest reason why Kodai Singh has been a completely different pitcher at home than he has been on the road. 250 home area, 407 road area. Chris was alluding to the fact that we are going to be seeing warmer conditions. And the big thing with Singh is, I just don't think that the ball is going to be in play a ton. I recognize that the Washington Nationals are actually the number one team in the big leagues in terms of a few strikeouts on a prep at basis. But Senga has been able to get the punch outs. He has been able to deliver in the neighborhood of about 11.3, 11.4 strikeouts per nine innings, giving up one home run per nine innings. The big thing is, has to keep the walks down. He has been giving up right in the neighborhood about four and a half walks per nine innings. And he goes up against Josiah Gray, who he is just doing for a whole bunch of regression at this point with Josiah Gray. And credit where credit is due. He's been able to reduce the hard contact. Last year, he was giving up well over two home runs per nine innings. This year, he slashed at nearly in half, 1.2 home runs per nine innings. But he gets 7.9 strikeouts of 4.1 walks per nine innings, 345 ERA, Fielding independent of a 477 has actually really done his best work on the road. 274 road ERA compared to a 457 home ERA, but has been quite fortunate on a lot of the balls in play. He does get more strikeouts on the road than he does at home, strangely, getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. But I just don't think that this is sustainable. And even if you do get a good start from Gray, and I don't think that he gets completely lit up in this spot, you do have a Washington Nationals team that they're currently dead last in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA. I like what Jordan Weems has been able to provide. He's giving you about a 3-4 ERA. I know that Chris was mentioning Kyle Finnegan. He's actually had a really nice second half of the season. But likes of Corey Abbott, Joe LaSorsa, Amos Willingham posting up north of a 5 ERA. It's so desperate that Rico Garcia in his 8.44 ERA comes over from the Oakland Hays for the team. It is not great to say the least. Not to say that the Mets are the Mona Lisa Vitos of bullpen pitching as well as entering into their game on Wednesday against the Yankees. They were hovering in the neighborhood about 20th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. But you do have David Robertson. You do have Brooks Raley. Both of these guys have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Been able to get a little bit of something out of Grant Hartwig as well. It's been a little bit up and down, but he's been able to give you a few solid innings as well. And for the bets, this is a little bit more of an all-or-nothing team. They do a nice job of being able to draw some walks, but this team, they very much are dependent on the deep ball. You've got the two Franciscos, Francisco Lindor, Francisco Alvarez. Both entered in the day on Wednesday with 19 home runs. Both inning in the neighborhood about a 232-235. Pete Alonso. The batting average has been quite miserable recently, but he had that two-home run game to be able to get him going earlier in the week. Entered into the day on Wednesday, hitting a buck 95 over the last three days. Tommy Pham seems to have cooled off a little bit, but all in all, over the last 60 days, he's been able to do a little bit of better work as well. He's been sort of in and out of the fold as well, so certainly something to note there as he had not really played in the uh, Subway Series going into Wednesday, so he's been dealing with a few minor ailments as well. And then you do have Brandon Nimmo, who's been able to provide 15 home runs as well for the Washington Nationals. You do have a pair of guys that have been able to do a good job of being able to crank out the deep ball. Jamie or Candelario, Lane Thomas, both with 16 home runs, and both giving you between about a 335 to a 345 on base. Both Lane Thomas hanging a little bit north of a 290-ish batting average. And all in all, for the Washington Nationals, this team is in the top eight in terms of overall batting average. They don't strike out a lot. They just don't create a lot of hard contact, and they don't necessarily draw walks, which I actually think is going to be voting to the advantage of Kodai Senga. You do have someone like Joey Manessis, who's been able to bat at 275, and then likes of Dom Smith and company have been able to move the line. But all in all, I do think that this is a spot where the Mets, they are going to be able to get a nice win. I think that Kodai Senga continues to pitch very well at home. So I did set the Mets at a minus 204 on the money line, willing to lay that even money run line. And did something till it at 8.8. I do think that Gray gives up some runs, but keeps the game out in front of him. Looking at the 9 under and looking at the run line of the Mets. 
This is going to be my DK Network right to pick. 903 and 904 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals playoffs to the Chicago Cubs. The man of steel, Justin Steele, goes for the Cubs. And Miles Michaelis is on the bump for St. Louis. It is an even money price on the Cubs between minus 110 and minus 120 is your price on St. Louis. Nine is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. Did set my total at 8.7. I'm going to be looking at the under in this ordeal, but with Justin Seal, I'm willing to back him. I set him as a minus 121 favorite. My write-up pick, that is going to be on the Cubs' money line, being able to get an even money price with Justin Seal. Recognize that he has given up three-plus runs in two out of his last four starts, but all in all, I say that he has been the man of Seal, and it has been so true with him. He has been able to do a nice job of keeping the ball in the yard, going up against a Cardinals team that, oh, by the way, they really do rely upon the deep ball. With the Cardinals, they have been able to do a better job at home rather than on the road with regards to their offense. Entered into Wednesday, averaging about 5.4 runs per game at home, more like 4.2 runs per game on the road. But when it comes down to it for the Cardinals, they are a team that they do rely upon the deep ball. Seventh in the league in terms of percentage of at-bats that result in a home run while being 11th in the league in terms of overall runs per game between home and road. You've had the two Nolans, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, both being able to slug out north of 20 home runs. And for Arenado, I mean, my goodness, this guy's been absolutely tremendous ever since a rough beginning of the season. That month of April was less than savory, but as they'll pick it up ever since then, then you do have guys that are able to move the line. Someone like a Brandon Donovan has been able to hit about a 280 along with Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt still giving you about a 375 on base, 18 home runs. And when he's been out there, Wilson Contreras, because I know that he was dealing with a little bit of a minor ailment earlier in the week, he has actually been tremendous recently, hitting a 396 over the last 30 days. So that has been solved for the scene, but the outfield has been a little bit of a mess. Jordan Walker has been a constant in terms of being able to get on base along with Lars Newpar, but Alec Burleson has not necessarily delivered for the scene. Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, they dealt with injuries, and when they have been out there on the field, it's been a little bit less than savory. And what else is less than savory is the fact that you've got a Cardinals bullpen that entered into Wednesday, 23rd in the league in terms of bullpen area, with one primary reliever, that excludes Dakota Hudson, with an ERA below a 367. You've got just a whole bunch of guys like Andre Pallante, Ryan DePera, Jordan X. You just go down the list of guys that they all have an ERA between about a 370 to a 440. You really don't have that one guy that is absolutely horrible with Genesis Cabrera now on the Blue Jays, but you don't necessarily have that trustworthy guy. And for the Chicago Cubs, they entered into the night on Wednesday right around 19th of the league in terms of bullpen area, but they're starting to turn around. Michael Fulmer, Julian Merriweather, these guys have been able to pitch much better. Edward Osley has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Really like what I've seen out of Anthony Kay in the bullpen as well. He's been able to give you a, a sub-2 ERA. And got a Cubs offense that enters into Wednesday, 10th in the league in terms of runs per game, 9th in terms of on-base percentage. As just have a lot of guys that they're able to find a way on base. Nico Horner, Dancy Swanson, Christopher Morel, Jan Gomes, Miguel Amaya, C.A. Suzuki, all inning between about a 260 to 277 with Morel along with Cody Bellinger, a combined 30 home runs. Bellinger has been one of the hottest hitters on the face of planet Earth right now. He has been absolutely tremendous. I know that they've been giving a few at-bats to some of their younger guys like Miles Mastroboni. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. He's been able to come to the forefront a little bit more, but I think that Justin Seal going to be able to do a good job of locking down the St. Louis Cardinals in this spot. He is backed up by a little bit of a better bullpen, especially with Miles Michaelis. 
giving up just a lot of general contact. With Miles Michaelis, he's actually been far worse when he's been at home rather than on the road. 495 home ERA, 384 ERA on the road. He's giving up Miles Michaelis is just 0.9 home runs and 1.8 walks per nine innings, but the just six strikeouts per nine innings results in the ball being in play quite a bit. I think that this is a death by a million cuts win by the Cubs. Did something tell it an 8.7? I don't think we see a lot of the deep ball, but right up pick, going to be one to trust in Justin Seal and the Cubs on the money line to go along with that under. Now we hit the double dip. This is 905-906 in conjecture with 909-910 on the betting board. The LA Angels, they're on the road. They're facing off against the Detroit Tigers. We're going to hit the early game first, and then we're going to hit the late game after that. As early game is Shoei Otani going for the Angels. Michael Lorenzen on the bump for the Tigers. This is the 905-906 game with the Angels on early openers, being between about minus 140 to a minus 145 favorite, between plus 120 and plus 130. Your number on Detroit, 8 to 8.5 is the total. On the 8, over is anywhere between even money and minus 110. The under is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 120. DraftKings has an 8.5. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. And was alluding to it with Chris, I did sub I tell at an 8.6. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and even if you factor out the fact that Joey Otani has not been so sharp ever since he suffered that blister in his start against the San Diego Padres, he's always had some pretty big home and road splits when it comes to pitching. 315 home ERA thus far this season, 460 ERA on the road, and it's not just this season. Last year, his ERA was more than a point higher on the road than it was at home. 2021, 195 home ERA, 502 ERA on the road. This is something that you do need to be cautious of. Now, with Otani, he's still getting the punch outs. He has been able to get north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings, even though his ERA is 771 here in the month of July. His strikeouts per nine rate has still been 11. He's still done a solid job there. Here in this month, though, he has also given up six home runs in 16 and a third innings. If you're able to hit the ball off of Otani, it's going to go a very far way as he's been giving up a little bit north of a home run and a half per nine innings. And he goes up against someone in Michael Lorenzen who's done a good job of being able to work on the walks. Last year, he was giving up right around four walks per nine innings. He's given up more like 2.3 walks per nine innings thus far this season. Posting up a 349 ERA, but fielding independent is a little bit higher, and he's been a little bit more rough at home than he has been on the road because he's the opposite of Otani. He gives up a little bit more soft contact, but he gives up a lot more contact in general. He's only been able to get right around 6.8 strikeouts per nine innings. That's been a little bit of an issue for him now. Lorenzen comes in in good form. Last four starts, last 30 days, he has been posting up about a buck 90 or so ERA, but Lorenzen has been the beneficiary of some weak opponents. So it's four opponents that he went up against. The Colorado Rockies, granted it was in Colorado, but he had that, and then he has not given up a run this month because he went up against the Oakland A's, the Seattle Mariners, and the Kansas City Royals. So he has very much benefited on that front, and I do think that going up against the Angels is going to be a little bit of a tough situation. Even with Mike Trout, Brandon Drury, along with Anthony Rendon out of the fold, the Angels, ever since Mike Trout went out, and that was on July 3rd, they have scored four-plus runs in all but two of these games. Otani, who's going to be on the mound in this game, 36 home runs, hitting a 300. He has been the best hitter in all of baseball thus far this season. And then you got someone in Mickey Moniak, former number one overall pick. He's getting a home run every about 17 at bats. He's hitting a 333. Taylor Ward is starting to move the line a little bit more. He's been up and down throughout his entire career, but last three days, 395 on base. He overall this season has been able to slug out 12 home runs. He's gotten 15 home runs out of Hunter Renfro. Someone in Matt Theus at the catcher spot has been able to give you right around about a 355 on base. Zach Neto's been able to move the line. So, all in all, you've got an Angels team. Don't forget about Eduardo Escobar and Mike Busakis getting picked up that they're still solid on offense. 
Meanwhile, for the Tigers, this is a bottom five team in the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage. This is a bottom five team in the big leagues with regards to runs per game. They're in the bottom eight in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis. You've got one guy in Spencer Torkelson with north of 12 home runs. He slugged out 15 bombs. He's been a little bit better recently, but you've got a lot of guys in general that they just failed to move the line as you've got Torkelson hitting about a 232, and then Javi Baez, Nick Maton, Eric Haas, Jake Rogers, Akil Badu, Zach Short, all these guys hitting at 225 or lower. It's been rather deplorable. You've got Riley Green, who's been able to give you a 380 on base. He's been on fire. He's been able to do a nice job moving the line, but not necessarily a power bad end. With the lack of power with the Detroit Tigers, that's an issue. And with the Tigers, what you do have for this team, relatively solid bullpen. They're right around league average with regards to their bullpen ERA. Jason Foley, Tyler Holton, Jose Cicerno. These are all guys that will be able to give you some relatively good performances along with Alex Lang. They're all posting up a sub-4 ERA. You've been able to have Jason Shreve look a bit better recently. And for the Angels, this is a bottom three team in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 35 days. But getting back Matt Moore to go along with Carlos Aceves, pair of guys with a sub-250 ERA. That's big. Jose Soriano has been able to give you some good innings as well. He's able to give you a 3 ERA. I do think that Shoy Otani is going to look a little bit better in this spot, just given the competition. So this is a circumstance where I did set it to where I'm going to be willing to back the Angels in this ordeal. I did set them on the money line at a minus 154. And right now, seeing their run line in that neighborhood about a plus 115, I'm willing to take a plus 108 or better with them. So looking at the Angels on the run line in game number one and with this total at an 8.5 or less, going to be looking at the over. And then the other game is 909-910 on the betting board. It is going to be Matt Manning going for the Detroit Tigers if Patrick Sandoval's on the bump for the Angels. Only place I'm seeing a number up is Circa. Circa has the Angels at a minus 110, even money on Detroit, 8.5 being the total with the over at minus 120 and the under is even. And I actually am going to take a look at the under in this spot. I do think that Matt Manning is going to be able to do a good job of taming those Angels bats that we are going to be seeing. And typically when it comes to game two of a doubleheader as well, Typically, you're going to find a few more guys might be getting the day off in this one as well. I should say the game off because a lot of guys will play game one and then in game two, you'll get more of the schlubs out there. But for Matt Manning, is he pitching a little bit above his head right now? Yes, ever since coming off the injured list, he has made five starts, giving up two runs or fewer in all but one of them. And the lone exception was when he went to Colorado to pitch in Coors Field. As we know, that's a rough situation, but he's getting about six strikeouts of three walks per nine. And he's a 319 ERA compared to a 465 independent, I will say for Matt Manning, just all throughout his career, he's always been a little bit of a better pitcher at home than he has been on the road, so that's factored in, but also with Patrick Sandoval, this guy's been very lucky on the balls in play as well, he has given up now one earned runner fewer in three out of his last five starts, I do think that we're going to see that dry up a little bit as well, as he has been really all over the map, in the month of June, his ERA was north of a 7, as a matter of fact, it was 7-11, he was always open to giving up runs here in the month of July, it's been a buck 46, so... You've seen a very much up and down approach there, and he's actually posted up a 355 road area compared to a 475 home area. For Sandoval, he's giving up right around 3.8 walks per nine innings, but his home runs per nine rate, that's right around about a 0.67. So I do think that we are going to be seeing him give up a little bit more in general with regards to the deep ball. He does a very good job with his changeup of being able to induce some soft contact, but all in all, it's hard to be able to take too much of a approach there where I'm willing to back Patrick Sandoval with all the walks that he gives up. That means that you're going to have more bullpen exposure for a bullpen that stinks. Now, you could see someone like an Aime Badia perhaps give you some long relief as well, but I actually do like Matt Manning in this spot as well, and I do think that you're going to be seeing more of the reserves in this game, and I do think that that allows a little bit more value to the under. Some I told it at 8.3, so at an 8.5 would be looking at the under with the Tigers. I did set them at a minus 107. The Angels open 
up on this one as a very slight favorite. So getting an even money price, we'll take a look at the Tigers and go along with this total under. And we wrap things up with 907-908 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox plays the Cleveland Guardians. Tanner Bibby is going to be going for Cleveland, and it is going to be Dylan Cease on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox between minus 110 to a minus 120 favorite. Even money is your number on the Guardians. And total on this game, finding it at an 8 and a half in a lot of spots. Circa is at 8, but the juice is on the over. Minus 130 is what you're finding that overpriced on. Plus 110 on the under, on the 8.5. Under is between minus 110 to a minus 115. The over is between minus 105 to a minus 110. semi tell it an 8.4. I'm not Jones in delay a minus 130 juice on the over of 8. I would rather have the 8.5 under with more of the minus 110 juice as I recognize that the Guardians have had a few hiccups in the bullpen, but it's really mainly been Sam Hentages. You take a look overall at the Cleveland Guardians, are number three in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. And Tanner Bibby has had his issues when he has been on the road, but all in all, he's been able to do a nice job. 304 ERA in his starts thus far this season, keeping the ball in the yard, giving up 0.75 home runs per nine innings, a little bit over three walks per nine innings, but still getting a little bit north of nine putt just per nine innings. The ERA does jump to a 438 when he is on the road, but all in all, he has been able to do a very solid job. So I like what he's showing there. And for Dylan Cease, he did have one rough start about a few weeks ago against the St. Louis Cardinals. But really, other than that one rough start, Dylan Cease has been able to come into his own. I mean, it was a very bad month of May for him. But ever since the beginning of the month of June, this guy has made nine starts. He has given up three runs or fewer in eight of them. And he's given up two runs or fewer in seven of them. I do think that he's going to be a lockdown down a Cleveland Guardians team that has said last in the league in terms of home runs on a per-game basis for Cease. I mean, the ERA is still hovering right around a four, but the swing and miss stuff is back. He's been able to get a little bit north of love strikeouts per nine innings. The big thing is he does need to keep down the walks, and he needs to be able to deliver some length. This is a bullpen in the Chicago White Sox set. They're still without Liam Hendricks. They're still without Garrett Crochet. They are a bottom six unit. You've got the likes of Gregory Santos along with Kendall Graveman and Keenan Middleton that have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, but when you get into guys like Aaron Bummer and company, it's been really bad, and for Cease, I do expect positive to hold through. You've got a 363 fielding independent compared to his north of four ERA. So I do think that that is going to be going downward. And for the Cleveland Guardians, the big key for this team, just being able to go death by a million cuts because they were a bunch that made the playoffs last season with the second fewest home runs of any team in the big leagues. But the reason why they were able to make the playoffs is that you had so many guys being able to do a good job of being able to move line. Now, it does look like you might be seeing a little bit of a trade. I don't know whether it's going to be Ahmed Rosario or if it's going to be Andre Semenis. But I know that one of those two, it sounds like it's going to be traded as I do this show. But I mean, those two guys, along with Stephen Kwan, Will Brandon, Oscar Gonzalez, these were all guys last year that hit above a 270. And going into the day on Wednesday, the only one that was sitting above a 270 was Stephen Kwan at a 271. Now, Josh Chandler has been tremendous. He's been able to give you 15 home runs, sitting above a 300. Jose Ramirez, hitting about a 290-16 month for him as well, but on all, it has been a little bit of a rough state of affairs for this Guardians offense. Meanwhile, for the Chicago White Sox, they are dead last in the big leagues in terms of walks induced on a per-at-bat basis. Among guys with at least 100 at-bats, you've only got one guy with worth of 325 on base in Andrew who's been able to give you about a 285 batting average. He's been able to do a solid job there. Got Luis Roberts calmed down a little bit with the home runs, but 28 home runs entering into Wednesday. Jake Berger has been able to give you 21 bombs as well, but these guys are just having a tough time moving the line. Tim Anderson has been a little bit better recently, but still laying about a 240 with a 280 on base this season. You've got Eli Jimenez, who's really done a nice job with his average, hitting about a 285. Would be a little bit of a better hitter if he just laid off a few pitches in general. You've had Andrew Vaughn be really the lone guy that's willing to draw a walk. Yes, Mighty Randall 
move the line a little bit as well. But I do think that the White Sox, they've got the better pitcher here in Dylan Cease with Tanner Bibby. He's had a little bit of a struggle on the road. So this is a case where at an 8.5 would be looking at the under. And with the White Sox, it's not the minus 133 on the money line. So looking at that White Sox money line and the under. And that will wrap things up for the Thursday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to Christian, who does great work over at WTOP Sports. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way, that is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.